After all the fireworks and celebration of the 4th of July, the sports world has been putting up duds over the past few days. There are a couple of topics to get into. The Mets' biggest win of the year, could that spark a resurgence? And this in-season Final Four with the NBA, I'll sort out whatever else the universe is offering, but first, this message. J-Reels here, just passing by to send a brief reminder to please subscribe, rate, review this podcast, the J-Reels Podcast, on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, all of the major platforms that are out there, whichever one that you listen to, once again, just throw me a few stars, write a review, I would greatly appreciate it just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there, especially this one, which covers all sports in roughly one hour. Where else are you going to get that? So if you can go ahead and please do that, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. And with that said, let's get it. The J-Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J-Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December. But what really counts is let me see this in January. Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it, he is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J-Rolls Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? I hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits. There have been record temperatures on Earth over the past couple of days as the heat has been turned up throughout the entire planet. I wish I could say the same for the sports world, but you know I've got a couple of tricks up my sleeve over the course of the next maybe half hour, 45 minutes, who knows, as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host J Reels. For my first-timers, welcome aboard, and for those who've been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or even as early as this past Monday, I welcome you guys and gals back. And I can't even recall a time that I've been doing this podcast for now over five years, aside from the pandemic, which started in the middle of March through July 2020, that's when the baseball season started, July 23rd, and then if you recall, the NBA and NHL had their seasons resumed before starting their postseason that didn't end until September and October. But for whatever the reason, it looks like sports over the last few days in particular is like a scene from an old town in the West about 150 years ago. Wind blowing into rickety wooden rocking chairs or those wooden doors going into the saloon. Tumbleweeds twisting in the wind. Dust kicking up as there's nary a person, horse and carriage in sight. That's what it's been the past few days as the NBA and NHL free agency period has cooled off considerably. No James Harden or Damian Lillard rumors to be heard of or anywhere in sight. I'm not going to get into Joey Chestnut winning another Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. I'm definitely not going to go there. NFL training camps are less than three weeks away, but I can't get into football right now. The best tennis tournament on the planet, which is Wimbledon, has produced little juice over the course of these first few days. And baseball is about ready for an all-star break with some interesting series and a lot of developments here over the last couple of days. But nothing that will have you at the edge of your seat 
because we're nowhere near the home stretch of the season, let alone the trade deadline, which is still a few weeks off as we have plenty of season to go. So therefore, with all that being said, I might as well just say thanks for tuning in. I'll see you on Monday and let's see what we could do to regroup and get some sports news filtered in through your earbuds, headphones, or speakers because that's what the sports world has given us here since July the 3rd. What else could I even begin to delve into? Now, yes, there are some baseball topics that I I will certainly unpack, especially if you're a Dodger fan, to my guy, Bio Zio, out in California, who I'm sure right now is wondering whether or not their front office is on the phone line to try to get someone, anyone, to be a part of their rotation, as Dustin May looks like he's toast for this year, and now Clayton Kershaw is on the I.L. with left shoulder tightness. And their pitching staff is in shambles. But for a baseball season, and that's where we're going to start, that is about to pause for a few days, starting on Monday. And we got some interesting series coming up here in Major League Baseball this weekend. But the landscape as it is, not that there's been anything that's upended or has really been at the forefront when it comes to what has taken place here over the last few days. But as a Met fan, and I will start there, and I get it that, oh, here goes Jay Reels again on the soapbox, and I'm sure he's probably going to say, this is where the Mets are going to take off. This is where they're going to turn their season around, especially after that game last night, and they've won four in a row and back-to-back series that they've won for the first time in forever. And no, I'm not going to get into that by any means. Although last night's game was one that the Met fan has been waiting for, and I'm sure the team has been since the start of the year. They haven't had a win like this to where they could really feel good about themselves. They got themselves, like I mentioned, a four-game winning streak. And yes, not to say break up the Mets or here comes the complete 180. But when you're down to your final strike and you got a performance there from a pitcher who has been hot and cold pretty much down the middle this year. He has had some big starts. He does walk the ballpark a lot. He does make you scratch your head in a one Kodai Senga. But for him to go eight innings... One run, four hit, 12 strikeout performance to where if they would have lost one nothing, that would have been a tough pill to swallow. But thanks to the heroics of a one Francisco Alvarez with his opposite field home run, and then Mark Cannon with the triple up the gap in right center field to bring home Brett Beatty in what was an improbable. Now, granted, they're only down by one run. It wasn't as if they had that uprising if you remember last year in Philadelphia they were down 7-1 in the ninth and they scored seven runs on the top of the ninth to win the game nothing anything close to that but when you're down to your final strike and it looks like you're going to be shut out and then wonder whether or not you're going to win a rubber game before going back on the road to pack your bags and to close out your first half in sunny San Diego but to know that they were able to pull that game out of their rear end and at least to No, going into the final game tonight that they could actually get a sweep, a five-game winning streak to go play another hapless, high-priced payroll team in the Padres this coming weekend. At least they could say to themselves, we have some gas in our tank. Now, they do have to get the game tonight, which is important because the one thing this Met team needs is not just a long winning streak as we know. But they need to have some consistency to the point where, yes, would it be nice to reel off an eight-game winning streak going into the All-Star break? Absolutely. Do I think that's going to happen? Hell no. But this Met team needs to have 
some momentum to the point where they need a stretch to win 12 out of 15, 16 out of 20, 20 out of 25. If they're going to get back in this race, they're going to have to do that with that type of streak. And I understand it's not consecutive, but they need a run like that in order for them to be a part of this wildcard picture. And who knows, maybe not be sellers come the end of this month. As it is, are you a little bit excited about what took place, especially with that game last night? And we understand that that doesn't automatically mean that they're going to sweep Arizona, which would be huge considering the season that they've had to date. And then San Diego, who knows? They've been fumbling, bumbling, stumbling throughout the course of this year. They've pretty much been the Mets, but the West Coast version of that with their high-priced payroll, as I mentioned, and underachieving stars and not really getting themselves off the mat as far as a team that for them, making it to the NLCS last year, and it looks like they're going to be nowhere near that this year. But for this Met team, I can't trust to the point where I think that they're going to A, win tonight, and then B, win two out of three in San Diego. And if they were to do that, that means seven of eight going into the break, and they would have to compound that with another seven of eight out of the break. Because as it is right now with this four-game winning streak, there's still six games under 500. Now... Yes, would it be nice to win three of these next four games? Whether it be tonight and then two out of three in San Diego, that's what I would look for because I don't expect a sweep in San Diego and them losing tonight. But let's say if they do win three out of four, seven of eight, where they put themselves in a position to maybe pause to be sellers come July 29th. But hopefully they could get this game today. This weekend, I couldn't even tell you what's going to happen. Because this team from one day to the next, whether you get that good start as you saw there last night from Senga and it got bailed out there in the ninth inning where they couldn't hit for eight innings. And thankfully, for the first time in a long time, they were able to pull out a win when they were unable to get anything going with the bats for the first eight innings. But as we've seen with this Met team, it's either all offense and no pitching or they finally get the performance and performances out of the bullpen, but they can't hit their way out of a wet paper bag. So now the only thing I'm going to say here is that let's see if they could get three out of the next four, which is still asking a lot because would I take a split here heading into the break? Absolutely. But one more time, winning series is good. But because you dug yourself a 10-game hole prior to the start of this road trip and knowing that, yes, winning two out of three here, two out of three there, and if you continue to build that, that's going to help. But nuh-uh. The Mets need to get a block. They need to get 8 out of 10, as I mentioned, 10 out of 12, 16 of 20, 20 of 25, whatever it is. They need to have a deep stretch like that in order for them to not only get themselves to 500, we got to start there, but to get themselves back into this wild card mix. But last night, as a Mets fan, you were ecstatic, and I hate to use this Godfather reference, but hopefully it's not a scenario where when you thought all was lost and there was no shot for this team to even make a run, now all of a sudden it looks like they're starting slowly but surely to pull you back in. And that's the one thing you don't want to see as a Met fan, and we've seen that countless times throughout the course of years, decades, etc., to where just when you think that they're left for dead, they breathe a little life in you. And then, of course, once you get some oxygen in your lungs, here comes that shot to the solar plexus, and then you get down to the ground, you said, "Uh uh-uh, I can't get up. I can't watch this. This team has found so many ways to lose and reinvent ways to lose games just this year alone that why can I all of a sudden expect for them to turn it around, flick the switch, and now go off into that 
long, deep stretch to where they could get themselves into a National League wildcard race. So we shall see there. But for some other series that have taken place here over the early part of this week, I know the Yankees and Orioles have had a big series to where the Orioles blew a couple of games there, especially on Monday where they had a lead late and then it was blown open there late by Harrison Bader with the home run. And then the same there on Thursday, excuse me, on Tuesday, 4th of July, where the Orioles came from behind to win another game. And then last night, they bring up a young kid, Colton Kowser, who got his first major league hit in RBI. And now the Orioles, which has a ton of talent all over the place, from Gunnar Henderson to Adley Rutschman. Now they bring up the young outfielder. And let's see if the Orioles can now win the back two of this four-game series, which would be very impressive if they were to do so. Because as I mentioned there on Monday, if the Yankees were to win three out of four, they would gain two games in the standings. And if they actually were to sweep, and we understand that that's moot now, they would have caught them in the standings to where they would have been at a flat-footed tie for second place in the AL East. But the Orioles at least won the one game. Now, I'm sure they're going to want to win today. And they're going to face Luis Severino, who has not been good as of late. So who knows, maybe that will bode well to get themselves even in that series to where it would be no harm, no foul. And if you're a Yankee fan, of course, you're going to throw your hands to the sky and say we blew a golden opportunity to at least gain two games in the standings with the team that's right above them. But we'll see how that plays out there tonight at the stadium where the Yankees and Orioles will conclude their four-game series. And then give it up for the Marlins. And I know I've talked about them a bit here, but after that sweep, in Atlanta by the Braves, they've come back nicely to win three games against the Cardinals. And I understand it's St. Louis. This isn't the Cardinals of a few years ago. But for them to get back on the beam, and I said it would be important for them to get into the break, to get that good feel as they were, what, 14 games over 500 heading into Atlanta and then getting swept. Well, now they got those three games back. And let's see if they could actually sweep the Cardinals, which would be a four-game set in their own right today down in Miami, and they have a very interesting series upcoming, which I'll get to in a minute. But those are a couple of series that I've looked at here from the start. And then you had the Brewers playing the Cubs. You had that crazy scenario the other day where they closed the roof at 6-2, and then the Brewers actually came back in the game to tie, although they did lose an extra innings to the chagrin of the manager of the Cubs, David Ross, who said, who does that? Why would they close the roof to give them an advantage, which it did because the Brewers actually got back in the game Thankfully, they didn't win the game because who knows, that may have been on the protest. But as we know, the Cubs, they're not going to go anywhere this year. And the Brewers, they need every game possible considering that they had pretty much been in first place for a time there over the last few weeks before the Reds were on their, what was it, 11 or 12 game winning streak. And they continue to play well as they've won four in a row here and they're two games ahead of the Brewers in the NL Central. But... You haven't had a crazy week as far as series or anything like that. That's why baseball has been relatively low-key. And now you got to wonder, as we head into the final weekend before the All-Star break, where the series that, to me, are going to be looked at here and scrutinized, especially when we reconnect there on Monday. The first one being Atlanta visiting Tampa. And I talked about this earlier in the week to where... We know that the Braves, to me, are the best team in baseball. And right now it shows with their record and what they've done. They had that long winning streak, nine in a row, snapped there a couple of nights ago in Cleveland. And now they're going to go into Tampa, the big bad Braves, to show why they're the best team in baseball. To where the Tampa Bay Rays, right now they're scuffling here a little bit. They've hit a bump in the road of their season to where you knew 
as great of a start that they've gotten, and they've led since March 30th there in the American League East. But here they've hit a little bit of an abutment. They lost the last two in Seattle, including a game there on Sunday where they had a 6-1 lead and they lost 7-6. And now they lose the first two games to the Phillies in their building with the finale there later this evening. And with the Braves coming in, they certainly do not want to go in with a five-game losing streak knowing that Atlanta has been hot as a pistol. And who knows, could this be the beginning of a raid their dominance starting to spiral out of control, and especially with the Brewers just three games back in the division, whether or not that the Orioles could be able to catch up here before Monday will be very intriguing to say the least. And I got to see who the Orioles play before the weekend, which I'll touch on in a second. But that's going to be a matchup a lot of people may even preview as a World Series for their late October into early November. I'll pump the brakes on that right now. But that's going to be an interesting measuring stick for the Rays and even for the Braves for that matter because as well as they've played, who knows? Maybe Tampa, although they've lost four in a row and who knows what's going to happen here tonight, maybe their fortunes will turn and maybe knowing that the Braves coming in and all the press, not to say that Tampa is New York or Philadelphia, Boston, etc., but who knows? Maybe in the ears of Kevin Cash where the press may come out and say, now you got the Braves coming in and you've been the best team all year. How does that fare for your ball club knowing that the Braves, who have played fantastic here over the last couple of months, whether or not you could play with these guys, and I'm sure that may put a fire under the Rays, whether or not they win tonight in the finale against the Phillies. As for the Orioles, they're going to go to Minnesota after their conclusion of the series tonight in the Bronx, and the Twins, who have actually played pretty well here as of late, as they've been able to withstand a little bit of the guardian pressure that has gone on there in the dreaded AL Central. They've actually won three in a row, and you wonder whether or not if that momentum could bleed into the weekend to where they could put themselves a couple of more games distance from the Guardians and the Twins, who have been probably going to be the default AL Central winner when it's all said and done. But that's not going to mean much come October because a lot of teams are going to try to see whether or not they're going to feast on Minnesota or even Cleveland for that matter because you got to count them in only because of what they did last year and they actually sped by the Twins there toward the latter part and the end of the season. But the Orioles, as we talked about here, whether they could inch closer to the Tampa Bay Rays for the top spot, if they have a good weekend there and if they falter here, whether it's tonight in against the Phillies or against the Braves, who knows where these standings would lie come Monday when we recap the weekend. But that's a series that we'll look at to see where those two teams will lie when it's all said and done come Monday. And then you have Seattle going to Houston for four. And the only reason why I bring that up is because Houston right now, they're currently two games back of the Texas Rangers in the AL West. And they won a big game there on Monday. Remember, they lost the first game on Friday. They won the two games there Saturday and Sunday. And they actually had a big lead, which they blew. It was a 10-2 lead. Come to think of it, eight-run lead, they blew that to where Texas actually took the lead heading into the ninth, and then the Astros were able to prevail and steal that game to where they've now won four in a row, and they're currently two games back, as I mentioned. Now, Jose Altuve, he's had an issue with an oblique. They say they're not going to rush him back, but this is a team that's already been under fire when it comes to their team, whether it's Jordan Alvarez being out for a month, 
whether it's guys like Michael Brantley who can't seem to shake his injury woes and he can't get back in the lineup and you got to wonder already with their pitching staff, not going to say in shambles, but no Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, they're piecemealing it together, but we all know that this team shows a lot of guts and a lot of gumption based on their track record and what they've done here over the last half decade plus. And they're showing that right now, knowing that they're fighting this to the very end, or at least to the weekend with the All-Star break. And Seattle, we know that they've been very disappointing here. And let's see how they fare in Houston for a big series for them. Because if they're going to make any hay and try to get themselves within striking distance of the AL wildcard... Let's see what they could do this weekend and try to maybe even win three out of four, which I know may seem insurmountable because Houston does have their number, even going back to last year in that three-game sweep in the division series. But that's one that I'll keep an eye on to see where they lie over the weekend as far as Houston inching closer to the top spot. And as far as the Texas Rangers go, as I'll take a look to see who they play. Now, they'll wrap up their series against the Red Sox. That will be tonight as they split the first two games in Fenway. But when we look at Texas and how they will end their first half, or technically first half heading into the break, after Boston, they'll go down the Northeast Corridor to play the Washington Nationals, who have not played bad, but you would think Texas should be in good shape to at least win a series there and keep themselves at bay where the Houston Astros are surging. And then you have the Mets going to San Diego, as I mentioned, That's one to see, as I talked about before. Now, the Padres have actually won three in a row, so who knows? Maybe they could get their season and have a fire under their rear ends to kind of get themselves to the All-Star break in a good groove. That we'll take a look at on Monday. And then you have the Angels playing the Dodgers. And the Angels, boy, they've had a bad week. And who knows if their season's going to start to unravel here. Knowing that Mike Trout, who underwent successful surgery on his wrist, due to a swing, and this was similar to an injury that Giancarlo Stanton had many years ago where the handmade bone in his wrist was broken. Now Trout's going to be on the shelf four to eight weeks, so that's going to be a big blow for an Angel team that's trying to tread water in the AL wildcard mix. Now you also have to add Anthony Rendon, who the guy seems to be on the IL ad nauseum. But then the bigger picture is Shohei Otani, who had a blister issue when he pitched the the other night. And he's going to have to wait for that to heal. Who knows if that's going to really impede as far as his pitching goes. But thankfully, with the break coming up and having extended time off, I'm sure he's probably not going to pitch at least until next weekend, maybe even into the following week after the All-Star break until that's fully healed. But the Angels right now, I'm sure they're going to be shaking in their boots a little bit, not only for the health of Otani, but really for the health of their team overall, because this is a team that's going to try to stay in this playoff race. They're going to try to roll out Otani as many times as they possibly can. We understand he's going to be an MVP candidate, possibly even a Cy Young candidate, as I talked about there last week. But for the Angels right now, I would think that their season is going to be on life support only because this is a team that if they fade into oblivion when we get into the latter part of the month and especially into early August, it's just going to be about Otani, his starts and his performance and nothing else. And with all the rumors of his impending free agency, not only will this be a season for him to get into the MVP and Cy Young candidacy in the same year, but the payday is going to be bigger than anything that we've ever seen when we get into this offseason. And as I mentioned before, it's may not even start with a five. 
it may start with a six, and that's in 600 million. So we shall definitely see what's going to happen out there in Anaheim when it comes to his health, even Trout for that matter, and the Angels' playoff chances here for the month of July and beyond. A couple other notes. I didn't talk about this Monday, but the Rangers made a very good pickup bringing in Aroldis Chapman. Now, he's had a good year in Kansas City, striking out a lot of guys. ERA is low, 4-2, and two, and he will be a big boost to that bullpen. I'm sure there's going to be some pressure now because Texas has had a very good year. They've been in first place throughout, but now with the Astros breathing down their necks, he's a guy that's going to pitch the eighth inning, and who knows, man, they're pitching the ninth inning when it's all said and done, but that's one acquisition that was good for them. And let's see if he's going to pay dividends knowing that he's in the thick of a pennant race and he's out of Kansas City. That's number one. And speaking of bullpens, the Yankee bullpen has been stupendous this year. Well, now one of their key components is going to be gone for the rest of the year due to violating the domestic violence policy. And that's a one Jimmy Cordero, a guy who's, like I said, pitched well, struck out a lot of hitters, but he's going to be one piece that's not going to be there come the rest of this year. But you know Brian Cashman... He always seems to pull a rabbit out of his hat when it comes to these deadline deals, when it comes to relievers, or even pitchers for that matter, or even certain players, even last year. I understand that it was a fair trade all around when you trade Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. And Bader, when healthy, has played very well, but he has not been on the field as much. And we know Jordan Montgomery in his two starts against the Yankees is 2-0. But Cashman, he'll find a gem. He'll find a guy that will pick up that slack for Cordero. And not to say that the guy's been lights out, but he certainly has been a plus and a guy that has been a key cog in that Yankee bullpen this year. But now they're going to have to look elsewhere to see if they can replace him here over the course of the next couple of weeks. So I thought to throw that in there when it comes to the Yankee bullpen and how they're going to have to piece that for the remainder of the year. All right, now let me turn my attention to the association as I lace up my sneakers, my high tops, etc., Not much really to discuss when it comes to the James Harden, Damian Lillard front. That has not been percolating at all. I'm sure that's going to be one of those things that it's going to come at you with a blurb on your phone or online somewhere where breaking news, James Harden or Damian Lillard were traded. So nothing percolating there. And Grant Williams, I know, got traded to the Mavericks in a three-team deal with San Antonio. And that's no surprise. I had a feeling that the Celtics weren't going to resign him. So he goes to Dallas, so good for him, as I'm sure he'll be a big boost to that team defensively, give them a little bit of character. I know a guy that will go along with Kyrie and also Luka, so congratulations to him on getting his deal, and now he's a member of the Mavericks. But this Final Four, as has been talked about going back to last year, this in-season tournament, and a lot of it hasn't been officially unveiled here, and it's going to take place here on Saturday. I believe it's going to be on NBA Today, ESPN. I don't know what time that the proceedings will be for them to really roll their sleeves up and go full bore on all the details when it comes to this in-season tournament. But we do know that it's going to take place from December 7th to the 9th. It's also going to be hosted in Las Vegas. So I'm sure the T-Mobile Arena where the Golden Knights play, that's where this tournament's going to unfold and all I could say is this is supposed to be a boost or at least an addendum to a regular season that a lot of people aren't going to pay attention to and December 7th to the 9th I don't know where that falls on the calendar I'm sure it's not going to fall on a weekend because 
the NFL or college football will swallow that up. So I would think it's probably going to be Tuesday through Thursday. But pretty much what this in-season tournament is going to be, it's based on from what I'm reading here, not only will it debut in the early part of December, but the teams that will participate, there's going to be six groups total. It's going to be different group stages, I guess. Three per conference, chosen by a random draws based on the team's winning percentage the previous season. So I think this is going to be teams that obviously were in bad shape last year and them also being chosen at random that will play four games in its group with the six group winners making the knockout stage and then you're going to have two wild cards who finish with the best winning percentage, not first in their groups. To me, this seems convoluted just reading this, but... Come Saturday and then obviously Monday, I'll have a better grasp of what this will entail because as of right now, this is, to me, why even bother? It's almost useless to have this in-season tournament. And I understand it's to generate some buzz and some juice, especially for the teams that aren't going to be in the mix or aren't going to be relevant here throughout the course of an NBA season. It's to give them a little publicity probably to the Charlottes, to the Detroits, to the Houstons of the world, I understand. But let's let the dust settle. Let's get a better idea come Saturday night into Sunday where I could really digest and regurgitate this. And then come Monday, I'll give you a better view as to whether or not this is a good idea. Now, I would think that they're doing this to raise a little bit of their regular season because as we all know, after opening night, from there until Christmas where they have their day with the five games, the NBA is out in the wilderness. And by having this little tournament here, it's going to give them a little juice and give them a little publicity and maybe some attention, knowing that Las Vegas will be at the center of this, to maybe get the average fan to take a look and see what this in-season tournament is all about. So right now, listen, I can't really dissect it and give you a full analysis of this. But what I will say is that based on what I'm reading here, it's a little bit convoluted. Because, again, this is going back to teams that had a winning percentage the previous year being chosen at random and not knowing what those teams are. Three per conference. We would think they're not going to be bad teams, all of them bad, but you for sure know that they're going to be some of the teams that are going to be bad because this is they're going to be their window for them to shine and to play well. And I'm sure you may have some teams that are in the middle of the pack. But again, let's put a pause on this. We'll get into this more on Monday. But knowing that this unofficially was announced yesterday and some details had leaked out about it, reading it and even trying to convey this to you now, it does make you scratch your head to say, How's this all going to work out? So you know for sure I'll get into that when we reconnect there in the early part of next week. As for the NHL, I got nothing for you. Nothing with the free agency or any trade. So you know that's going to cool off considerably. Same for the NBA other than the Harden-Lillard saga as far as where their next destinations are going to be. And you know I'll have my finger on the pulse for that. NFL, nothing to really get into there. I know training camps are now what, two and a half weeks away, but even still, once training camp comes, you think I'm going to pump up the Washington Commanders and break down their training camp there in late 
July, not this guy. So the only other thing to discuss would be Wimbledon. And Wimbledon has been mostly chalk to this point. Now, the big upset that we've seen here is Coco Goff. And you have to wonder whether or not she's going to get over the hump. Now, we understand she's still young and she still has plenty of tennis ahead of her. And I don't want to make this all about Coco Goff because it's not as if she came into this tournament as a favorite or came in as a player knowing that she could go deep into this Wimbledon. But we know that based on her name and based on a little bit of her track record, we would have expected her to at least get into the second round and maybe be a little bit of a threat to the Iga Switeks of the world and some of the other top women's players. But as she bowed out, you got to wonder whether or not we've seen her go deep into U.S. Opens, at least into the second week, but you wonder whether or not if there's a nagging injury, is there something else going on? So that's something to keep in mind as we think about that later on this summer when we get to the U.S. Open on whether or not she's going to have a long, deep run in her as a woman who is one of the top players on the circuit but has not been able to get out of her own way, whether it be at the French or here in the Wimbledon surface out in the Old England Club. So that's something to pay attention to. But other than that, everything is pretty much status quo. We're still waiting for that Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz collision, which is still a week and a half away. So it's premature to even talk about that. But as it is right now, even with guys like Stefano Sissipas, who's played well, Daniel Medvedev, Taylor Fritz, who had a five-set match there yesterday, and you wonder how long he's going to be for this tournament if he's already going deep into these matches early on in the week. But Wimbledon, I wish I could tell you more. I wish I could share a little something, a nugget or two about a particular player, about an injury or anything like that, but we'll see what happens over the weekend. Hopefully we'll have a little bit more information for you. We'll have a little bit more momentum going into next week as we get into the first full week of this tournament. But other than that, people, this is a sports dead zone unlike any other. What else can I tell you? What else can I get into? Not much. Baseball is going to carry us throughout this summer, as we know. And yes, there is an Open, the British Open there, later on the month. And yes, we still have to wait for some rumblings in the NBA and NHL with maybe some player personnel, but besides that, that's what I got for you. This one is as short and as sweet as you possibly can, and that's a good thing, I guess, because you don't have to hear me babble for another 20 minutes or so, but I'm sure maybe for those who want to be entertained and fulfilled, go back to Monday's podcast, which was a little bit over an hour, and I get into certain things, but be that as it may, I will shut up and move it along. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for carving out a few minutes out of your day to listen to what it is I have to say about what goes on in the world of sports. If you haven't done so, people, please, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Don't me a few stars, write a review. I'd greatly appreciate it. That's going to go a long way for the visibility of this podcast for those who aren't familiar with it to get it out there. So please, take a screenshot, do whatever it takes. Hit me up on my socials, on YouTube, at J Reels, as I post there daily, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, the J Reels Podcast. Twitter, JReels1, just a number. If you want to hit me up with any questions, comments, send that screenshot, tag me, whatever it may be, please do so. Or if you want to hit me up, you could do so at the JReelsPodcast at gmail.com, whatever you want to put forth. I'll be more than happy to follow up with you guys and gals. And then lastly, if you want to contribute to this endeavor, you could do so by going to my Patreon page, P is in Paul, A-T is in Tom, R-E-O-N is in Nancy.com slash the JReelsPodcast. 
100% is going to go into this production, the upkeep of the website, the equipment, etc. to make anything and everything possible to make this experience into this microphone to your earbud speakers or headphones that much more pleasurable, enjoyable, entertaining, informative, because whether you do or do not know, I'm sure you probably can't tell by this podcast, but this is why I love to talk about people. It's in the blood. It's in the DNA, as I like to say. I'm not going anywhere as long as I'm alive and breathing. Sports is life for me. It's what it's in my DNA. It's in my every fiber of my being with nothing but passion, fire, fury, energy to discuss anything and everything that happens with thoughts, opinions, analysis, critique, praise, with all that goes on on the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby. <laughs>